You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Monday, first podcast after the draft, I was traveling for work last week and got a little bit stranded without my recording equipment, so wasn't able to give you guys a Friday podcast after we had kind of covered second round picks and prospects in the first couple of days. But we now know who the Pelicans have taken, and it is Tony Carr, guard out of Penn State, with the 51st overall pick in the second round. We didn't know much about this guy going into this, but I've watched some film, I've talked to a couple people about him, and we got a better picture of what he's capable of and the role the Pelicans might, might be looking for him to fill. So we'll break all of that down for you. And just kind of some other things that kind of went on on draft night that we need to pay attention to. This was a really interesting and intriguing draft for a number of reasons. I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you how maybe it's going to affect the Pelicans in free agency or what other teams did that might affect the Pelicans in free agency. I think you all know what I'm talking a little bit about here. So we'll cover all of that just and more in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. All right, with the 51st overall selection of the 2018 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans selected Tony Carr, guard out of Penn State. And this guy played two years at Penn State, and you can very clearly see what New Orleans is trying to do with this draft pick. By this point in the draft, if you'd been following it, basically all of the really good wing players had kind of gone off the board early on, of course, because they're wings, that's what happens. But this draft was deep with guys, say, in that 20 to 40 range of like 3 and D prospects. Melvin Frazier out of Tulane, a guy I've been talking a lot about on here, went 35th overall to the uh, Orlando Magic. He was one of them. So there's a number of guys out there in that range. And Bates Diop went a couple of picks really before New Orleans was selecting guy at Ohio State. So there was a lot of potential to get one of those guys. But by that point that the Pelicans were selecting, they were likely really gone other than maybe Vincent Edwards out of Purdue, who we covered on here. So those guys weren't there. There wasn't really anyone I guess the Pelicans liked, so they kind of looked at their roster, looked at their team, and made a decision to draft a guard, which, again, they have a lot of kind of guards on this team. You got Holiday, you're expected to bring Rondo back. You have different players like that that maybe this doesn't make the most sense, and you need some wings, because really right now you have Darius Miller and Solomon Hill. If you combined into one player, would not be a very good NBA player right now. So that's kind of an issue. You need to get some depth there, and what better way to do it than in the second round? But the Pelicans were away from that and are going for that kind of backup third string point guard position that's been a thorn in the Pelican side for a little while. If you remember, they've cycled through a lot of 10-day contract guys this past season and even in years before that to kind of fill that role. You know, once Rondo went down, you had Holiday and Nelson and then who you're going to have to fill this role. A couple years ago, it was uh, Tim Frazier. He's now gone and since he's been gone, the Pelicans haven't really had anyone that could fit 
in. So they went through guys like Walter Lemon Jr., Quinn Cook in the beginning of the year. You know, you can go even uh, further back than that. Gal Meckel was a name that was on this team for a little bit. Different players like that. That Jarek Jacks, another one of them. So they've been cycling through guys trying to solidify this position that does usually play significant minutes on almost every NBA team. They haven't been able to do so. So why not try it in the second round of the uh, NBA draft? So you end up with Tony Carr, sophomore out of Penn State, who averaged 19.6 points per game last season, five assists, 4.9 rebounds, but doesn't shoot the best, 40.8 field goal percentage, though he did shoot better from three-point range, 43.3 percentage. But that's after shooting just 32% his freshman year. It's a big increase, but this is likely not a large enough sample size really none of these guys have a large enough sample size to tell us that they're going to be a good NBA shooter. So that 43.3% looks good, but likely uh, we'll find out if that's going to be the case. He does have good size though, and that's the immediate thing that jumps out at you with him. He's six foot four and a half with almost a six eight wingspan, a little bit over than that, and 199 pounds. So he's got solid size, and maybe if the Pelicans are going for kind of that Sean Livingston backup guys, not as tall as that, but the wingspans there to kind of see over people, maybe, you know, be able to facilitate because of that. You know, he, he's got average at best athleticism, doesn't show a very good jump uh, and leap ability if you go by his combine testings. And according to Sports Illustrated, you know, his body language can be poor while on the court. And it doesn't seem, as they say, it doesn't appear to be the most fun guy to play with. Okay, interesting. But when you do watch him play, he can be a shot creator with the ball in his hands. That's what you want that third point guard role to be. So he's going to be playing with the Pelicans in Summer League. And I think we're going to find out if he can actually kind of take over this role. In the in his interview after the pick was uh, made, Del Demp said, you know, this is a guy who's going to have to earn a spot on the roster. And it's not really a guarantee that you'll see him uh, in the NBA next year. Maybe the Pelicans will look to put him on a two-way deal. I'm not sure if that'll be the case. We kind of got to wait and see. They didn't really stick to those guys as much as maybe you would have liked or the intention of the two-way contract was. But this is a guy who maybe can fill some of this role's developmental prospect at best. And as we just said, this has kind of been an issue for the Pelicans for a number of seasons now. And if a guy like Rondo does get hurt or Holiday misses some time, which he didn't really do last year, I think that's going to be a big problem for this team. So hopefully maybe they have found a guy, but at least the size is there. Maybe you can see over people, fling some passes, and that's going to be the biggest thing. So in a moment, I'll talk about some other observations from this NBA draft, because again, this was a weird one for a number of reasons, and I've got a stat out there that I don't know if you've heard, shows you just how wild and bizarre it truly was. And then we'll look at the Pelicans Summer League roster, which is starting to take some shape. We'll show you who's getting invites, and if they have any chance of making the team, or maybe just even coming to training camp would be a step in the right direction for those guys. But first, make sure you listen to Locked on NBA Daily, Monday through Friday now, and as you all know, I co-host the Wednesday edition edition with John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. We have a lot of fun on there. But if you want to know what's going on around the association, particularly in the lead up to free agency, which is coming in just about a week where there is going to be a ton of smokescreen signals, different things like that coming out, you want to make sure you're up on all of it and have people break it down for you to tell you what you need to know. And the best way to do that is by listening to Locked On NBA. So let's take a look at some other things that came out of the first round of the draft. And look, like like I said, this was kind of a weirder first round if you really think about it. One, maybe with the best player not going number one overall 
in um, DeAndre Ayton going to the Phoenix Suns, but really a lot of people like Luka Doncic even more, and he went three and was then later traded. We'll talk on that towards the end of this segment here, and that's going to loom large for us in the rest of the week and how we're going to approach free agency here on Locked On Pelicans. But overall, Ayton made a ton of sense, and this was interesting because it came out after that uh, Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns says that's who he wants to play with. And then when the Suns had other first-round picks at 16, they took Zaire Smith, uh, which was then later traded because supposedly they wanted Mikhail Bridges there because that's who DeAndre Ayton said he wanted to play with as well. So you have kind of the players in a weird way kind of making some of these front office decisions. And we've learned in the past, particularly through LeBron James, when he says draft this guy, that that's really not what you want to see a team doing. And you've got to leave it up to the GM and not let the players run these teams. But overall, again, I mean, it's Ayton. He's from Arizona. There's also not much you can do to complain about. And then you've got to look at the Suns who were ranked in the bottom five in terms of home attendance that, yeah, maybe you just need to bring the home guy in. He did play at University of Arizona, and now he's going to be in Phoenix, and maybe that's going to be a big draw for you. So the other story at the top here was Luka Doncic being traded to the Dallas Mavericks from the Atlanta Hawks. Dallas then took Trey Young at five, the point guard out of Oklahoma, traded him to Atlanta. And in what was the first of many trades tonight, and here's the crazy stat for you. Of all the trades that were done, none included an NBA player. In years past, we've seen 11. I think it was the past two years. It's been 11 players were traded on draft night. Not one player was traded on draft night. All guys drafted that night or future first-round picks. Not one guy who'd played an NBA minute. It's a weird and bizarre stat, which shows you that free agency is such an unknown right now that, yeah, maybe teams were scared of taking on more uh, contracts and salary because they're worried about the cap space or they want to have cap space or what does it all mean? We don't really know. That's the thing. That's why I think you're going to see a very tepid start maybe to free agency as teams aren't sure what's going on or what they should be doing or what other teams are going to be doing. But not having one player included in any trade is a bit bizarre. But Luka Doncic now going to the Mavs. I told you guys here that the best case scenario for the Pelicans was going to be that they drafted Mo Bamba. That gives them a center, a kind of rim protecting big to play under the basket that can do your rebounding. All those things that Cousins kind of does a little bit of. Well, now they don't have him and now maybe they're still going to be hot on his trails. We're going to talk about that more later in the week because again, they're the team that's maybe the biggest threat to sign him outright and I don't think there's very many other teams in there but really what is their interest and we'll dive into that more but now that they've got Luka Doncic does that accelerate their timeline a lot of people think he is NBA ready right now playing for Real Madrid they're in one of the top leagues there he plays in Eurobasket where they won the title so he's doing this at a very very high level it was a bit surprising to see him fall uh, so Mo Bamba at six to Orlando. They then took uh, Melvin Frazier out of Tulane, roll wave, in the second round with the fifth overall selection there. Those are two really good defensive guys. I don't know how teams are going to score on them if both are playing significant minutes. I'm also not quite sure how Dallas is going to score since they're not exactly the most offensively refined prospects out there. 
Colin Sexton to the Cavs at eight was the biggest no-brainer you've seen. That's a dude who can score and get to the cup. And pairing him next to LeBron James potentially is definitely the move that Cleveland should have done. You got to like what Chicago did at seven, taking Wendell Carter Jr. center out of Duke there, and then making other moves. Chandler Hutchinson out of Boise State, kind of a plug-and-play small forward with good size. So when you look at this draft, there's really not that many kind of question marks regarding everything. So I think it was just kind of good all around for a lot of these teams. You know, I think you've got tremendous value going to Denver in Michael Porter Jr. This was a guy who going into the start of the year before his back injury came up was projected to be the number one overall pick and he doesn't really fit what they need kind of that point forward score first questionable defense guy that's kind of what they already have there but I mean getting a guy who was thought at one point to be the number one overall pick at 14 even if he doesn't play next year and needs another surgery is tremendous value long term for you and yeah maybe they needed a more impactful guy right away considering they barely missed out on the playoffs they still have other methods to do that and now this just kind of solidifies their future a little bit more more so that's a really good pick for them kind of annoying Minnesota at 20 taking Josh Akogi a guy we talked about here at one point was projected to go in the second round really flew up draft boards these past couple of weeks I still think that's a little bit too high for him I'm not a huge fan of that one Indiana at 23 taking Aaron Holiday Drew's brother you saw Drew put on the Indiana Pacers hat we'll allow it there just there not much more, and if we see that again, then we'll be a little bit upset. But that fit makes sense there for them as well, and he's going to get to go to a well-coached organization. I think that's going to be big for him overall. You just, again, really like what a lot of these teams did. The Celtics taking Robert Williams at 27, I think, is a good pick. This is a guy who has a lot of shades of Clint Capella there for him. It's a bit annoying. They get a good player that late in the draft. I wouldn't have taken him much higher, though. I think if you saw Robert Williams go in the top 15, top 20, um, maybe that's a little bit more of his style. I think that would have been a big question mark. 27 is undoubtedly good value. The Golden State Warriors, one pick later, take Jacob Evans, picked, take whatever, out of Cincinnati. Small forward uh, shooting guard, depending on how you want to classify him. This is a sneaky good pick for them. And again, very annoying when you see smart teams getting good players. And that's a guy who was on one of the best defenses in college last year. He's known as kind of a defensive stopper. And now they get to add him to that already fearsome backcourt. Not an ideal situation there at all for New Orleans or just any other team in the Western Conference. Also, it was Dante DiVincenzo going to Milwaukee at 17, just a straight-up shooter right there that you compare around Giannis and Adekampo, and I think that's a great thing. They In that second round, at least in the first 10 picks or so, that's really where you saw a lot of those kind of small forwards, 3 and D prospects really start to go. The Pelicans almost got very, very lucky Keita Bates-Diop going at 48 to Minnesota. This was a guy who was projected to go in the first round. Six foot nine, small forward out of Ohio State, going a couple, four picks, really three picks before the New Orleans Pelicans selected. New Orleans did pass up Vincent Edwards, the small forward, six eight out of Purdue. That was a big one. Or Shake Milton, who has better size and is a much better defender than Tony Carr. He went 54 to Dallas. So those are just some of the notable things here that we saw as well. Also, the Pelicans passing on Kevin Hervey, we profiled him, small forward, six foot eight out of UT Arlington, a very, very good shooter. But question marks about his athleticism, the defense, and other things as well. So 
no reason to give grades on any of this because it takes years before we can really figure out how a draft did because guys, some guys step up, some guys don't, and we don't really know for a very long time. And that's my takeaway. Again, really hard to fault almost any pick here in this most recent NBA draft. So again, what Dallas did really might have some implications for the Pelicans and free agency, and we'll be talking a lot about that this coming week on LockedOnPelicans.com. So make sure you check out the site daily. We post new things Monday through Friday. Friday, we got roundtables kind of diving in on all the topics you want to hear from a wide variety of voices that really know what they're talking about. So make sure you read LockedOnPelicans.com. So free agency might just be a week away, but you know what's also upcoming in two weeks is the start of Summer League for New Orleans. And after the draft, it's always a big mad scramble to sign these undrafted guys, get them on your Summer League roster to see if maybe they have a chance at making training camp. And the Pelicans were certainly doing that. Walter Lemon Jr. was back with the team. He played in five games for the Pelicans last year. Bit of a high flyer, tries to score at the rim, not much of a shooter, though he does show off at times a three-point stroke that looks broken as all hell. Is going to be back with the team. Maybe he can make a great impression and you've got some other names being added to this as well Derek Willis um, was who was with the Detroit Pistons in summer league last year former University of Kentucky player didn't really show off a whole lot but got some time in the G League averaging 12 points and seven rebounds per game the Pistons didn't want to bring him back but hey maybe he's got a chance to show something here in New Orleans they do like Kentucky players you're gonna have another guy DJ Hogg out of Texas A&M which should kind of remind you and throw similar shades of a guy like Jalen Jones for the Pelicans who was with the Summer League team and briefly a two-way contract player for them as well. 6'9", bit of a 3 and D who can defend multiple positions. And we know that the Pelicans love guys who have positional versatility to guard multiple positions or to play multiple positions and give you the most flexible roster that you can have. So he'll be out there. He's expected to be kind of one of the big guys with this team that's going to get a significant look on the court. You've also got a guy like Bryant McIntosh who played four years at Northwestern. He was their point guard, more of a distributor than a scorer, only averaged 12 points per game. Inconsistent shooting-wise, his percentages kind of fluctuated all different years. So again, guy who's not likely going to make the team, but a name nonetheless that you need to be aware of. And then you've got Trevon Bluett out of Xavier who can score And that's really it. Not a great athlete out there on the court. Again, he wants to go out there and score, and maybe he can do it for this Pelicans Summer League team. But the reason that I'm not really giving any of these guys much of a chance to either make the Pelicans training camp roster, and some will get brought in, certainly. But the bigger thing here is that you're going to see Frank Jackson and Chuck Diallo also playing in Summer League. Diallo's probably going to play two games the most. Frank Jackson, who hasn't yet to play any real competitive basketball with New Orleans, certainly will be out there for almost all of it that they're going to be, and I think that's a big thing for this team. So you've got Tony Carr, Frank Jackson, Chuck Diallo, who are going to be the three focal points of this team in Summer League. So these other guys, while it's good to know their names, don't expect too much out of them. But hey, you never know. Someone maybe will surprise you. So it's worth seeing. It's worth paying attention to because Summer League is just fun and watching these guys go out there in a really relaxed environment is pretty awesome as well. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Recapping the draft for you, giving you the insight you need on Tony Carr, the Pelicans' second-round pick, as well as their summer league roster and just some general thoughts on the draft. We kick it into free agency mode starting tomorrow, breaking down everything you need to know. 
What do the Pelicans have to spend? I'm going to tell you guys that. How can they re-sign Rondo in multiple different ways? There's a few. It depends on what he wants and what he's hoping for. So we've got a lot to look at. What is Dallas doing? Because that's the team I know all eyes are on. We're going to have all of that and more for you here on Locked On Pelicans and LockedOnPelicans.com. So thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow. Thank you.